Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. you can have a seat. We're going to be reading from Matthew 27, 57 through 28, 7. When it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph came, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. He approached Pilate and asked for Jesus's body. Then Pilate ordered that it be released. So Jesus, so Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean, fine linen, and placed it in his new tomb which he had cut into the rock. He left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb, and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were seated there facing the tomb. The next day, which followed the preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while this deceiver, deceiver was still alive, he said, After three days I will rise again. So give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come, steal him, and tell the people he has been raised from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Take guards, Pilate told them. Go ahead and make it secure as you know how. They went and secured the tomb by setting a seal on the stone and placing the guards. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by the fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the woman, do not be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as I've told you. Let's thank the Lord together if we could. Yeah. He is risen indeed. I want to dismiss our kiddos right now. And if you could also give a, a round of applause for this worship team leading us today. Thank you guys so much. Um, yes. Oh, wow. What a celebration today. Um, I, I want to begin with this uh, question. It's, it's the title of my message is what difference does Easter make? What, what difference does it make that he has risen from the, the dead? The, 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 the celebration of Easter is the resurrection of Jesus, and that's what we're here for today. And what difference would that make for us? And I want us to ask that just very honestly. I mean, no matter where you are in your journey with God, what difference does it make for you? Uh, you probably have noticed that we're living in an age of incredible disruption, 
and that there are massive changes across our society. So in my uh, lifetime, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man, okay? And in my lifetime, I've seen a lot of things change. And, and one of those things, I dug this out of my garage this week. Um, I, do you guys remember having one of these? Did y'all have one of these in your car? Yeah, yeah. This just used to live on the floorboard of my, of my pickup truck. And this is a CD portfolio for you, for you young ones that don't know what this is. Okay, this is, is full of CDs and every one of these cost me about 10 to $15. So I even found a floppy disk in the front of my uh, CD portfolio. Talk about blast from the past, but you can see I had all these CDs, right? And talk about distracted driving. Like when, when your CD was over and you're like, man, I really want to listen to that other one. And you dig this out of your floorboard and you lay it across the console and you unzip it and, and you're trying not to scratch the CDs as you like, you know, transfer. It was, it was a big deal, okay? And um, you, you guys might remember even before this, did y'all ever have one of these? Did y'all see this? This, this is a, a CD... Uh, a carrying case. You can see there's some Bon Jovi in there, right? Maybe some Def Leppard, some U2. I mean, come on, that, that was a golden era. And then a little invention came out that changed everything. And you probably already saw the picture. If you can go to that next slide, it was Gen 1 iPod. Did anyone have a Generation 1 iPod with the black and white screen? Yeah, and it had the little turn dial that made the clicking sound, right? That was so cool. And that totally disrupted the music industry. I mean, totally disrupted it. I was in that industry at that time, and it was a terrible time to be in the music industry. But it wasn't the iPod that disrupted. It was the technology, the disruptive technology that it was built upon, which is the little thing that we know as the internet. Oh, yeah. Think about how the internet has disrupted things in our lifetime. I mean, just uh, think about how you probably have um, streamed a, a movie, a TV show in the last 24 hours, right? You, you didn't go to a theater. You, you didn't. You probably you maybe have cut the cable at home, right? And you're streaming it all online. Um, we make our own movies, and then we share them on YouTube. Some of your kids may have YouTube channels, right? Like, how bizarre is that? You can talk to anyone around the globe uh, over video chat and see their face instantaneously over the internet. It has disrupted news services and elections. It's changed how we order our food at restaurants. It's changed how we work and where we work. It's changed how wars are fought. It's changed how singles meet eligible singles, right? That's a whole other thing. Changes, change how we shop, how we buy and read books. It has changed and is still changing how we drive. I have a whole map like, of the world on my phone. It's crazy, right? It's changed how I answer the door. I have a ring doorbell, right? And I can see you when you come to my house and I can talk to you over the internet inside my house. It's changed how my kids hang out with their friends on the weekend. It's changed how we bank. It's changing currently our currencies. It's literally disrupting everything. It's one thing that has changed everything. Today, 
as we are here on Easter Sunday, we are remembering that Jesus rose from the dead. And I want to talk about the one thing that changes everything. Because here's the thing. When I was enrolling at a place that used to be called Southwest Texas State University, go Bobcats, any Bobcats in the house? We have no school spirit, so there's like a bunch of them in here, but they would never say a word, okay? It's not like the Aggies that have all these weird like things, brainwashed people, I don't know. A few Longhorns in here probably. Oh, see, this is what I'm talking about. It's just weird. I have a story, but I'm not going to go there because I'm going to stay on track today, okay? And I'm enrolling at Southwest Texas State University as a freshman, and they gave me my, my first email address, and it was like my initials with like some string of numbers that I could never, ever remember. And I thought, who cares about the dumb internet? Like, I will never check this. I will never, ever use this. It's as if I could not fathom how one thing could literally change everything. And so all four Gospels and what we just read tell us Jesus was crucified for our sins on Friday. He rose on the third day on a Sunday. The tomb opens. The physical body is raised. And the angel tells them he is not here for he is risen just as he said. What difference does Easter make? What I want to do Uh, this morning is just show you a few verses from the New Testament where the writers are helping us understand what it does for us, what it changes, the difference that it makes. And the first one is from Romans chapter 6 verse 4. And here's what Paul says. He says, therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. So the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians and he's trying to explain some things that have happened and when they became a believer and they made a profession of their faith and they came before the church body and they were baptized. Right? He says, when that happened, you're, that, that water was symbolic of a grave. It's like you were lowered down into a grave, symbolizing that you've died like you've been to the tomb with Jesus and then he uses this phrase just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father so we too may walk in newness of life now newness of life doesn't that just sound like ah newness of life right it just sounds so wonderful And the thing is, what happened then changes how you and I walk now, according to what Paul's saying, that we too may walk in newness of life. And there's so much that we could say about the resurrection, but there's there's three things that I want to uh, to point us to this morning. And, And the first one is this. Because of this, the disruption of Easter, that we have a new kind of life marked by resurrection peace. It's marked by resurrection peace. Now, have you ever been at odds with someone? Maybe husbands and wives, you, you were at odds this morning, okay? 
trying to get the kids dressed in those Easter clothes. I, I don't know, right? Sometimes that happens, right? But I, I'm talking about when you're really at odds. It's like you're constantly uh, uh, opposing. There's hostility. You're, you're contrary to one another. It's like one person says, let's do this, and the other one's like, no, let's do that, right? And, and one says black, and the other one says white. And it's just like this all the time. And um, you're, you're not at peace when that is happening. And the thing is, the scriptures teach us that every one of us, that's the status that we have been with God. That, that we were like this. There was hostility. It's like he's saying this and we're doing that, right? It's like we're, we're going in opposite directions. We're contrary. There's hostility. And the New Testament actually uses the word enmity or to be enemies of God. And, and God created us with this thing called a conscience inside of us. And whenever we're at odds like that, there's something in us that's just without rest, Maybe you've experienced that before. Like that, your conscience is just bothering you. There's, there's no peace because you can feel in your being that you're like this. And I'm not talking about being like that with another person. I'm talking about when you're at odds with God. Augustine, the famous church father, wrote in about 400 in Confessions, he says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And he's talking about this reality that there's something in us that's restless until we're at peace with God. And Paul, a little bit earlier from the passage that we just read, he says this in Romans 4, 25 into 5, verse 1. He says, he, Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life, get this, to make us right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So here's what he's saying. Look, you, you've all been at odds with God, okay? He, you're, you're at enmity, but God's done something about it. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God so that we could have peace again. And it's not a temporary peace. It's not a band-aid. It's not a short-lived or transitory peace. It's hinged to the unchanging fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's made a way for us not just to talk about peace at church, but to walk in a newness of life marked by resurrection peace. Did you know that the shadows of your past no longer have to darken your today? That it's, poss it's possible for your sins, mistakes, regrets, uneasy conscience to not haunt you anymore. The old way of unrest and enmity has been disrupted by a new kind of life marked by resurrection peace. That's the first major change. The second major change, the disruption of Easter, is it's a new kind of life marked by resurrection hope. 
Now, you already know this, but hope is the, it's to desire with expectation. It's to expect with confidence. It's, as one friend says, it's a joyful expectation of good. I like that, a joyful expectation of good. Um, do I have any worst case scenario people in the house? Any of you, you're wired that way, right? You're always thinking about the worst case scenario. Some of you have already planned your exit from this building, how you might get your children in case of an emergency, right? You've already dodged 17 terrible, uh, like total failures today by planning ahead and thinking, right? And you've made a plan of like, oh, this, this, that, and that. And you've, you've, you've saved us already this morning because of your worst case scenario thinking. I had a friend uh, in college, and he wouldn't wear flip-flops. And in college, that's like the uniform of, of Texas State University. It's like t-shirt, shorts, flip-flops, and, and that's it, okay? And, and so he would always wear jeans and shoes and socks in the middle of like 105-degree heat, uh, walking the hills at, in San Marcos, Texas. And we would say like, what is wrong with you? Why don't you wear flip-flops. And he said, I always want to be ready in case of an attack. <laughs> I mean, talk about worst case scenario thinking. It's like, he's always like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm ready to run at any moment, right? Something terrible is going to happen. I mean, worst case scenario. And because of all the, the suffering and the difficulty and the constant bad news that we're constantly aware of on our phones, it's really easy for us to become pessimistic, cynical, or even despairing. And joyful expectation of good sounds like a foreign land to us because we're always expecting the very worst case scenario. There have been some passages that Christians have clung to over the centuries, and they were written to people that were in the middle of worst-case scenarios. One of those was by a prophet named Jeremiah. He's writing to, uh, to uh, the, the Israelites that were in Babylonian cap captivity. And he, this is the Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope in a future. So in the midst of a worst case scenario, God's still speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. There's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope. There's another one that you probably know. It's, maybe it's crocheted on a pillow in your house. It says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And it's these verses, these promises that remind us in the midst of, of terrible things, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of bad news, that there was always hope for us. And today, we must remember that it's through the resurrection of Jesus that we know there's hope because he's alive. 
And he's not alive like, it wasn't like he was alive 2,000 years ago and that was cool, great, and now it's like back to like dismal world existence. It's like, no, no, he's alive right now. He is, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession and he's still working worst case scenario things for the good of his people. We have friends in Ukraine and they're saying, look, we're, we're seeing things accomplished right now that we, it would have taken centuries to see the church planting movement accomplished that we're seeing right now because so many refugees are coming in and out and we're training people and we're sharing the gospel. It's like you, you, you have no idea what incredible good is happening even in the midst of the worst case scenario because he's alive. It also means if you're a worst-case scenario person, what's the very worst-case scenario that you could ever go through? You die, right? That's the worst case. That's why my friend wouldn't wear flip-flops. I don't want to die today. I'm ready, okay? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. Again, the resurrection speaks to us. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. He's saying, look, that's the worst case scenario. Guess what? It's a best case scenario for us now. It's a win-win. I will live my life. I'll do my best to glorify God and to honor him. And whenever he decides that that, my days here are done, I'm going to be raised with him because of the resurrection of Jesus. I have hope. I have resurrection hope. The problems of today are not the end of the story for you. And you can face anything that comes your way because of the unconquerable hope of the unconquerable life of Jesus Christ. Resurrection peace, resurrection hope. The last one is this. The third major change that Easter brings is a new kind of life marked by resurrection power. Over and over again, the New Testament writers are telling us this power is also for you. If you follow Jesus, this is for you. And it talks about this power in a couple different ways. One of the ways is what we sang about earlier. It's power to be liberated from sin's enslavement. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Chinese finger trap? Yeah? Yeah? The Chinese finger trap, it's, it's that little cloth thing that you buy for your children at the little, you know, like the store that has all the little trinkets, right? And you get the Chinese finger trap and you put your fingers in there and then you try to pull them out, right? And you're stuck, right? You cannot get out of the Chinese finger trap. And of course, one of you would say, well, I can get out of it, no problem. But I'm just saying, you know, you, you know the illustration, right? You're not supposed to be able to get out of the Chinese finger trap. It is literally a trap. Like once you go in, you can't come out. And, and here's the thing, sin is like that. You know, sin is anything that we do or say or think, according to Jesus, that is contrary to God's commands in God's ways. And one of the biggest lies in the world is this. Man, throw off all that old morality and that, like, restrictive, like, Jesus, God stuff and just be free. Do what you want to do. And here's the problem, is that sin never leads us into freedom, it always leads us into slavery. Once we're in it, it's like we just can't get out of it. It's like a bad restaurant. It, it'll cost you more than you want to pay. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. and It'll make you sick in the end, okay? That's what 
it does to us. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, again, he applies the resurrection to our story. Here's what he says in verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve it. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For, get get this, you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Those are words of slavery. It is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That means the way that we thought was going to bring us freedom gave us slavery, but now Jesus has come to restore us back to freedom. It's power over sin. Another way the Bible talks about this power is that it's the power to experience and to know God now. A newness of life that you could walk in where you could know God and experience his power right now in the midst of your daily grind, in the midst of your life. Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul has this incredible prayer, and at the end of the prayer, he's praying that they would know his incomparably great power for us who believe that power, this is weird, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Meaning, look, there's, there's a power because of the resurrection that changes what you experience today, what you can know about God. It's power to see God move in mighty ways in the midst of our feeble prayers and our feeble efforts because it's not our power. It's a power to see God use you for his glory Isn't that awesome to be used by God? Have you ever felt like God used you before? It's it's the power that transforms us from our old way and all of our regrets and our struggles and our sins and our habits and all that stuff. And God can take us and turn us and, and fill us with power so that we could actually take that story and we could tell someone, man, here's where I was. Here's my testimony. And God fills that with power and he uses it for his glory. The old way of enslavement and powerlessness has been disrupted by a new kind of life marked by resurrection power. Friends, we can walk in newness of life, a life marked by peace, a life marked by hope, a life marked by power. But here's the thing. There's one little word in there that, um, that we just kind of skipped over, and, and it says that you may walk in it which also means you may not. And the reality is that many people do not walk in the peace, in the hope, in the power of the resurrection. So what difference does Easter make? And here's where I want to close today. The only way that we could ever walk in newness of life 
is through Jesus Christ. Which means you'd have to be a Christian to experience it. Now, a Christian isn't somebody who accepts a religion. You probably already know that. It's, it's a person who has a relationship with God. We know that because in John 17, verse 3, it says, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent, meaning it, this is it. It's to know him. It's relationship. And the reality is that we can attempt salvation in a lot of different ways. We can attempt it by subtraction. God, I'll give up this and this and this if you could just send some good things my way, right? And we try to barter our way into the new kind of life. There's the salvation by sincerity that says, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about it because that's the most important thing is being sincere. And guess what? You can be sincerely wrong, there are Russians shooting at Ukrainians because they sincerely believe that they're eradicating Nazism right now, and they're sincerely wrong. There's salvation by service. God, look at all the good things that I'm doing for people. And our works just don't work when it comes to this new kind of life and receiving it from Jesus. There's salvation by ritual. I was baptized as an infant I joined a church. You know, sitting in a church will make you a Christian about as much as sitting in a chicken coop will make you a chicken, right? It just, it's never going to happen. It's not how it works. There's salvation by heritage. My mom was a Christian. My, my parents, my grand, I had, I had family members that were like pastors in the ministry, right? It's salvation by heritage, and here's the thing, being born into a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. There's salvation by comparison. Well, at least I'm better than like the one who says she's a Christian. She's like, Ugh. at least I'm better than like, you know, a serial killer. It's like, well, God's not comparing us to one another. He's comparing each one of us to his perfect righteousness. And if we're not 100% perfect, we're at odds. We're at enmity. And reality is we have to scrap all of these attempts. And we have to trust in Christ only. He's the gate. He's the door. He's the path. He's the way in to the newness of Life. It's the only way for us. Easter is the one thing that changes everything. The resurrection is disrupting everything. And today, I want us to just to take a minute to think about how the resurrection needs to disrupt our lives. Because you have to do something about it. You have to choose for yourself. Nobody can choose this for you. And we're probably all at different places in our journey. Some of you are 100, you're not 100% sure that you're a Christian, or maybe you're 100% sure that you're not a Christian, okay? And, and here's the thing is today, I want you to make sure that you are. You can say in your heart to God, Father, save me today. I put my total trust in your son, Jesus, to save me, forgive me, cleanse me, 
and give me life. I want to know you and follow you. You can pray that to the Lord and he will receive you to himself. There may be some of us here who have walked away from God, right? You're like that prodigal son. Maybe you've been hurt and angry. Maybe you've just slowly drifted away. Maybe those old things that had a a hold on you in the past just kind of slowly drug you back and you have turned away from him. And here's the thing is God still loves you. He absolutely loves you. He wants you. He desires you. And he calls you. And you can pray to him today, Father, forgive me for, from, for turning away from you. I turn my life back over to you. Thank you for loving me and accepting me, giving me a brand new start. There may be some of us that have just been really discouraged. Like you just, just life is heavy for you right now. And today you can pray and you can ask the Lord for newness of life. And lastly, there may be some of us here who need a church home. You need a community. You need a family that you can live this out with. Maybe you've not walked away from God, but you've walked away from his people. We welcome you here. We would love to be the the community, the spiritual family that walks alongside you in your journey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.